Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive and together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Now, the, the key scripture that we are studying where leadership is concerned is Matthew chapter 20, right? Where Jesus said, not so among you. So let's go back there again. Let's read the story. Refresh our minds. Matthew chapter 20 and... Um, Verse what? We started picking up from verse 20. Okay. Now, then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came to Jesus with her two sons, bowing down and making a request of him. And he said to her, what do you wish? She said to him, Command that in your kingdom these two sons of mine may sit one on your right and one on your left. But Jesus answered, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink? And they said to him, We are able. Then he said to them, my cup, shall, my cup you shall drink, but to sit on my right and on my left, this is not mine to give. But it is for those from whom it has been prepared by my father. And hearing this, the ten became indignant. They became angry with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles will death with their Gentiles lorded over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. Alright? It is not this way among you. Pay attention to that. It is not this way among you. Jesus demarcated kingdom leadership from worldly leadership. And we must have that demarcation. We must realize that we're not in the world. Now, there, there is a challenge, and I've been thinking about it, but there's been this challenge of people saying, have you heard people say, the people of this world took the principles of the Bible and they are applying them and they have become successful. Have you heard a statement like that? You haven't? Have you heard a statement like that? Now, this is the challenge. People say, oh, okay, well, the people of this world took the principles of the Bible. They have achieved success. Now, this is what now happens. They now try to go and learn those principles from them. So they now say, we're doing leadership class. We're going to study Apple and Steve Jobs. And then they start teaching and all of that. Now, the truth of the matter is that the Bible, and pay very close attention to this, the Bible is not given for principles. The Bible is given for relationship. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's not necessarily for you to extract a principle. Let me give you an example. Uh, Jesus did many miracles for many people and he used different methods. He also dealt with many people differently. So, if you just make the Bible a book of principles, people start getting frustrated because they will say, well, I applied this principle and it did not work. 
Are you following that? So essentially, the Bible is a book giving us to understand God so we can have a relationship with Him. So, uh, because I was thinking about this, and maybe I'll deal with that as we go on. I was thinking about this today in the office. The woman, uh, the Samaritan woman, right? The Bible says that Jesus was tired and he was hungry. He was tired. Now, what is the principle there? The principle there is when a leader is tired, let's imagine I'm tired, I'm seated right on this stage because I'm tired and I'm hungry, and I've sent all my ministry staff to go um, buy food for me, and somebody comes, I mean, not even a serious person in quotes, somebody who is, who's got five husbands around, and the person comes. Do you think that leadership principle will determine that I speak to that person at that time? What do you think leadership principle will do? Just think. What will leadership principle tell you? You don't know? Rest. Do you think if your staff come back, they'll be happy? Don't be happy. The, the disciples of Jesus were obviously very upset. Oh, so you had strength to talk to, to preach like this, and then you sent us far away to buy food. You see, but at that point, that woman opened up the city. What I'm trying to say is, it's not so much about principles, but relationship. And that's what kingdom leadership is all about. Kingdom leadership is about serving people. And sometimes... You might have to humble yourself to do things that you would naturally not do in your position to be able to serve people. And that's what we saw. So Jesus says, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Verse 28, important. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life. A ransom for many. Three things there. The Son of Man did not come to be served. The Son of Man did not come to be served. Leadership. Jesus here points himself as the perfect example of the leadership we're talking about. And the first thing he said about himself is, I did not come to be served. So what that tells us is that leadership is not about you being served. Now, the default understanding of leadership is what? Once you are a leader, come on, what's the next thing? People serve you. Am I right? But Jesus says, I didn't come to be served. But to serve. And that's interesting. My coming down as the son of man is to serve. And to give his life. A ransom for many. Now let's go to the story we started building on. Uh, we read Philippians chapter 2 verse 3 to 4. Remember that? Now let's go to the story John. Praise God. John chapter 13. John chapter 13. And let's read the story again. Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus knowing that his hour had come... That he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. This is interesting. He loved them to the end. The foundation of, today we're zeroing on what we call the foundation of kingdom leadership. The foundation of kingdom leadership has to be rooted in love. Has to be rooted in love. It's easy. 
And this is very good. It's easy to love good people. How many of you think it's easy to love good people? It's easy. Do you know when Jesus loves you, or when he loved you, or when his love for you started? When you were yet a sinner. Jesus did not love you when you repented. He loved you while you were yet a sinner. And that's when he died for you. So the foundation of kingdom leadership has to be love. When you're put in whatever position, love the people there. And love them genuinely from your heart. Don't see people as a tool to make you great. Don't see those positions as a tool to make you great. Love. Then he said, During supper, the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him. Jesus, now this is the foundation. Pay very close attention to this verse. Three things are in this verse. Number one, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come forth from God, and was going back to God, got up from supper, laid aside his garments, taking a towel, he did it himself. Go back to verse 3. This is the threefold code of becoming a leader that can serve others. Whether in the home, whether in your company, whether in the church, Whether as a minister of the gospel. Three things you must identify here. Number one, the foundation of kingdom leadership is not titles. The the foundation of kingdom leadership is not titles. It's not about the title you bear. Number two, the foundation of kingdom leadership is not position. It's not the position you occupy. So it's not titles, it's not the position you occupy. And I said, number three, it is not transactional loyalty. And I'm going to explain that to you. It's not that people are loyal to you because of what you want to give to them. Uh, Let me explain what transactional loyalty is. Transactional loyalty is when people are loyal because you, uh, they can gain something from you. Or you make them feel like, you know, you know, sometimes that's how girls are in relationship or boys are in relationship. And then the boys say, oh, if you leave me, you know, uh, I will go mad. You know, the boy says, if you leave him, he will go mad. Now, what he's trying to say is that you, you are directly in charge of his sanity, which is not true, biologically, which is not true. Um, so he, 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 he sells his sanity to you And you don't want him to go mad Alright So he sells his sanity to you And you, you are stuck Because you feel I need to be loyal to this person Because I want him to be a normal human being Alright Or he's bought a lot of things for you He's bought air conditioners Bought fridge Bought phone Bought all of this And you feel the relationship will not work 
and then you hold the phone to send him a text and say, I- I'm sorry, this is not going to work. When you pick the phone, your conscience now tells you, the phone you are going to type the message on, who bought it for you? And then you just remember that the data that you are going to use to send, you, you do understand what I'm saying? So that's loyalty based on transaction, based on what you can get. And, and that's not leadership, because sometimes, when, listen very carefully, when we get into a position of power, if we are not humbled by the Lord, we will use our power to make people loyal to us. So I'll give you an example. I can come as a pastor of the church, and you all go, oh, pastor, you are a blessing, man of God, oh, God of the man, and all of that. You do all of those titles. If I'm no longer a pastor... Would you still be loyal? Or you feel if, you are, if I'm the pastor of the church, you are close to me, you are part of my inner circle, I can promote you, I can give you... You know, you know there are churches like that where, you know, when you are close to the pastor, then you can do certain things. And, and then so you use that position of a pastor, and that's why Peter instructed that we should not lord it over the flock. Paul said to them, I do not dominate your faith. I don't dominate your faith. And that's why you find out that sometimes, you know, you can build a church in such a way that you become a mini-god in the church. And so you now hear people say, if you leave my covering, things will not be good for you. I don't get that. What do you mean by that? Covering how? I mean, there's a thing of being planted, there's a thing of supernatural relationship, but if you start threatening people that if they go away from you, their life will be worse, then there's going to be a challenge. Because what that actually means is that you don't love the people. And I'll tell you this. If I genuinely love you, and you leave this church, right? You leave the church. You shouldn't, example. You leave the church. Now, to be honest, will I feel pain? Will I feel hurt as a human being? I should. But if I really love you as a person, I shouldn't be happy if things go bad for you. Remember, foundation of kingdom leadership is love. Because love will not wish the other person bad. So I, I would want you to be around me, but I would still want you to do well. So I wouldn't see you suffering tomorrow and say, I, I, then use you as an example. Sister ABCD that left here, go and see her husband has died. You think we are joking in this church? Now, now the truth of the matter is, if you are excited that somebody became a widow, you are excited that someone can't fend for their family again, the children are not going to school again just because they left the church you pastor, you are not... Let me leave it that way. Boy, you understand what I'm saying? You are not of Christ. Do you remember when Jesus, the disciples came and said, Some, somebody who is not among us was casting out de- devils. Should we go and get them? What did Jesus say? He that is for us. There's no need. Come on. Allow them. Let them do that. Paul says, some are preaching Christ out of envy. Some other are preaching Christ, the more they preach Christ. And imagine, Paul was in prison, and they were preaching so that it would pain Paul a lot. In prison, man of God. And he says, in everything, let Christ be preached. I want you to see how these men taught. Moses, in the Old Testament, Moses, uh, the Lord took out of the Spirit, gave to 70 elders, and two people who didn't come for the meeting were prophesying in the camp. They didn't come for the meeting. It's not today we have found people who rebel against meetings. But the Spirit of the Lord hit them, and they were prophesying there. And Joshua, and Moses says, I wish that all of God's people were prophets. 
Are you following this now? It's not so much about, it hasn't, it, 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 it shouldn't just be about you. It shouldn't just be about you. The foundation of kingdom leadership. So it, it has to be, listen to this, the pure love that comes from the Father. You need to learn to genuinely love people. We cannot lead in the kingdom if we are using people. We cannot lead in the kingdom if we are manipulating people. If I know the truth of God's word that can set you free, that will not make you dependent on me, and I refuse to teach you because I want you dependent on me, I'm not a kingdom leader. And I'll show you from this scripture. From the scriptures we're going to read. Come on, are you following this? You know, we had this habit when we were in school. Thank God. Of, you know, when you know the answer to a question, and then they say, uh, we are going to take it as homework. And everybody and they ask, have you done your homework? He said, ah, no, I've been struggling with it. Until, you know, they submit. And then they give you 10-10. And then the other guy has zero. Alright? And then he said, ah, but I ask you, and I said, ah, it's just this money as I was coming. You know, of course, there was no phone in those days, so you can't say, oh, I would have sent you the answer. You know, we took joy in the fact that the other guy has zero. You know, it was something that just, ah, we were so happy. Do you understand? Like, they're asking everybody question in the class. You raise your hand, your teacher say, no, not you. Ah, not so among you. Say, put your hand down. They're like, ask all the, ask all the fools. The wise fools. There was something that, like, I'm better than you. Do you understand that? Most of us did not outgrow that thing. So when we come into leadership, we bring it into leadership. Say, I'm the supervisor here. And the challenge with that is when you see people around you who want to grow and become better than you, instead of empowering them, you start fighting them and you become an evil version of who a leader should be. Are you following this? And this is what has kept our country like this. Because as of the last time I know, every leader who has led this country always traveled abroad. So they go to where there's light 24 hours, they come here where there's no light, and they are working on light for 60 years. How many of you know that if, if, if human beings are working on a project for 60 years and there's no solution, something is wrong? It's not demonic, it's wickedness. Are you following that? Because they cannot stand you living the same life they are living. Are you following this? So let's go. It's not transactional. I'm dealing with transactional loyalty. So, and you need to be very careful of this. Because when we become leaders, we start having favorites. We start having... People who are transactionally loyal to us. People who can gain from. And I'll tell you. You see, kingdom leadership is loving the vulnerable. It's loving the unlovable. Because every normal human being will love the ones that are good. We're talking about kingdom leadership. It's rooted in trusting the Father and knowing who you are in Christ. Three verses. Three things there, and I'll show you. Jesus knew that the Father has given him all things. So I'll show you in the life of Jesus, and I'll show you in your own life. Number one, if you want to become a leader that does not suffer from insecurity, 
If you want to become a leader that does not suffer from at least three things, three things that every leader would deal with, three monsters, let's deal with that. Three monsters every leader must deal with. Number one is pride. Number one is what? Everyone, let's say it loud and clear. Pride. What will every leader deal with? Pride. Because once you get into leadership, you always kind of feel that I'm better than you. It's normal. Praise God. How many of you think what I'm saying is true? Imagine I just get up this evening and I say, all of you who came for Bible study today, we have ordained you by the authority of God vested on me as the pastor of this church. Get an anointing oil. I say, I've anointed all of you as associate ministers. Let me tell you, the way you will come to church on Sunday will be different. Some of you have never worn tie. Hmm? But as you go back, say, ah, I can't dress normal again. I'm an associate minister. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Where you sit down, you now discover that before you make any statement, you also want to make people remember hmm? that on Wednesday, Pastor laid hands on me. What's happening? You are now more conscious. You now start, you understand? And if you're not careful, pride comes in. That is why sometimes it's difficult for fathers to serve in the house. It's the pride of fatherhood. I'm the man. And so you're never wrong. I'm the father. So you're never wrong. Do you understand that? That position just gives you that. So you, you need to watch out for it. You know, sometimes I call people on the phone and I say, hey, yeah, uh, this is Maxwell. And he say, which one? So I say, Pastor Maxwell, oh! Do you understand that? Is it, but the pastor actually... How do I put it now? So you won't misunderstand. If that was taken away from me, would you still respect me? That's the question. So are you respecting the person because of the office? Or because of the person. And if it is the respect just because of the office. Now the office is honorable. Okay. But if it is just because of the office. That's where you now find out that people do everything to get into offices. Because people respect what? Those offices. Are you hearing this now? Alright. Now. Number two is fear. And I'll talk about it. Fear. You must deal with fear as a leader. Fear of people not living up to expectations. All kinds of fear will come as a leader. But you must learn to deal with them. Number three is insecurity. You must learn to deal with your own insecurities. You must learn to deal with your own insecurities. All of us have one form of insecurity or the other. Some people have the insecurity of, oh, okay, we've got a great teaching church. I don't want anybody to teach better than me. Now, what's going to happen is if God brings somebody here who is talented, who can teach, what's going to happen is instead of me empowering that person to become a better teacher, what will I do? Start putting that person down. When you are insecure, the great people around you that should help you expand whatever you need to do, you start putting them down. 
And that's why you discover that sometimes in a company, there might be some brilliant people around. And you know what? The management starts fighting those people. And you're wondering, why is this manager fighting this person? It's not about fighting that person. It's about being insecure, feeling that if this person begins to do better than I, then they will not give them, do you understand? Uh, Respect will be shared, honor will be shared. But that's not kingdom leadership. So in the kingdom, we allow others to flourish. In the kingdom, we are excited when others increase. We are excited when others get better. Praise God. Are you here? I didn't hear you. Are you here? Alright, so number one, Jesus knew that the Father had given all things into his hand. So let's read two scriptures and I will explain. John three twenty seven. John chapter 3. Let me see if this is what I'm looking for. This is very important. This is one scripture that really, really, really gives me a lot of security in life. Oh, this is amazing. Look at John chapter 3, right? Verse 26. We read 26 and 27. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing and all are coming to him. You know, this was Jesus who just started his ministry. John the Baptist was older than Jesus. And, and so John the Baptist baptized Jesus into the ministry. It's like saying John endorsed the ministry of Jesus. Then, uh, some people came and said, you know what? The guy who was with you some years ago, everybody is now going to him. Look, what was the response of John? John answered and said, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. This scripture should settle every insecurity in your life. Whether the church next door is growing bigger than our church, no man can receive anything except it be given to him from heaven. Look at how John responded to that question. Are you following that? Come on, are you following that? You see, on the earth, man cannot take what God hasn't given to him. John didn't try to fight Jesus. John didn't try to... Oh, let me... Come on, guys. Let's be honest. Do you know what it means if you ordain somebody into the ministry and the next few years everybody's going to that person and nobody's coming to you anymore? Hey, how many of you know how you feel? It's like music people, right? You raise somebody to be singing. Huh? And then two years down the line, that person's name is on the billboard everywhere. How are you going to feel? And, you know, there's nothing that makes you as a minister looks like you don't have grace. That everybody's going next door and nobody's coming. It will be so obvious. But look at John's response. A man can receive nothing except to be given to him from above. That position you're occupying was given to you by God. Be secured in it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? In your marriage, be secured. In your home, be secured. God put me here. What I have today, God gave me. 
Stay, and I tell ministers this all the time. Stay in the grace that God has given to you. Don't try to get into the graces that people want. You're a teacher. But then you want to prophesy. So you leave what God has given to you as a teacher, and you go into the prophetic ministry, and you're not seeing clearly. So he says, I see something like tea. This is something like tea. My friend, what do you see? If you saw tea, tell us it's tea so that we can move forward. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Hell, I mean, <laughs> there's no need. I don't try to prophesy all the time if the Lord hasn't spoken anything to me. What's my business? I'll teach you the word. Somebody say, oh, you know, ah, I need to get prophecy. The Bible says the word of God is a more sure word of prophecy. That's why I teach you the word. Are you following that? Now, I'm not downplaying prophetic gifts, but you understand what I'm saying. But if God has not given that to me, then what's my business? No man can receive anything except what? It be given to him from above. Now, Hebrews 5, 4. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 4. It says, and no one takes the honor to himself, but receives it when he's called by God, even as Aaron was. So nobody could be high priest until God called them to be high priest. Be confident in the fact that where you are today, God put you there. Are you following that? So Jesus knowing that God has given him all things, he was able to take... The toilet and serve, knowing that when he served, he doesn't remove the fact that God is giving him all things. Did you see that? Look at, what, look at John's response to when the disciple says, everybody's following Jesus. He says, no man can receive anything except it be given to him from above. And those people, why were they coming to tell John? Huh? Imagine, you are John's disciple. Eh? Somebody's not going to dinner say, ah. Pastor, everybody has left church. So they are going to the next church. <laughs> you know, one day someone asked me, said, um, when people come to your church from other church, what do you, how do you respond? <laughs> I said, I don't respond. I just keep teaching. I, because people have also left my own church to another church. So if, they are, if we stay one place, they move. I'll, te- I'll be teaching here the Lord tells me otherwise. You stay, you hear my teaching. You move, you hear another teaching. Another person comes, it's like that. Oh, they are taking our people away. No, sir. Can't be our people. They're God's sheep. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, be secured. No man can take anything except to be. You see, on, they, I don't know, but this... I'm so confident in what the Lord has given to me. That's why I don't like copying what other churches are doing. Because I don't know the grace God has given to them to do it. You know, I I mean, I I go to Ghana to preach all the time and they they fast a lot in Ghana. A lot of prayers and fasting goes on in Ghana. I mean, there was a guy, I saw that they been doing 40 days three times a year. 40 days fasting three times a year. It's It's brilliant. But you know, for me, if I'm doing that kind of fast and I have to study the word, read Greek, read Hebrew, read all the books, <laughs> soon the writings will be. I need to read it to read. Are you following what I'm saying? Listen to me, child of God. 
That position you have, God gave it to you. Be confident in it. No man can receive anything except it be given to him from above. Praise God. You know, you can have things that are given to you naturally by God and you'll just be envious of what other people have. Are you following that? You're gifted, you're talented, you're this way. You're just envious. And it's because all the time people try to tell us what we have is not good. Right? So you see, people who are on the bulky side, they want to become slim. Right? And it's not bad to be slim. But you realize that some, for, for some people, when they are now slim, they now look very awkward. Because they've got big bones and now slim bodies. So, I mean, it's just... And then those that are slim, they are eating, 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 eating. And it looks like the book of Haggai. They eat it and put it in the bag of holes. They're not growing fat. You've got to, you can't lead if you don't accept yourself the way you are. I'm not saying you should not look after your shape, but if you go after, after what people define as the best spec, you might now be suffering from low self-esteem, not because God has not created you well, but you have redefined what the definition of beauty is. Are you still here? That's why, you know, sometimes when young ministers are called into the ministry, and I say this all the time, they now go and buy all kinds of suits. Red suits, red this one, red shoe, blue suits. And because they want to look like minister. It's not about looking like a minister. It's about the life. We must learn to major on the right things. You are a father. You walk into the house, and then you are backing. You are shouting, hey, hey, hey. And everybody runs. Ah, my children, they respect me. No. If you keep saying, don't you know I'm the man of this house? Something is wrong. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on, are you following this? Leadership would flow from being secured. All of us seated here have one form of insecurity or the other. You've got to deal with it by God's word. Some of you feel you're not good enough. Some of you feel you're not qualified enough. Praise God. And as I discover, some people, you know, they want to talk like white people. They are preaching in Nigerian church. I say, you people, gonna, you're going to understand this. And, and then, you really going to understand this. You're really going to understand this. And then, the, the, the older man in the church is wondering, is he talking about unknown gunmen or something? Because you're just saying, you know, you're really going to understand it. You really got this. You're not, you need to got this. And, and you're, in, you're in river state. It's okay, but we really don't want to get it that way. Do you understand what I'm saying? Just be secure. Just be fine. You see people singing and singing. I are not understanding what they are singing because they want to sing like, you know, they want to sing like, you, you know what I'm saying. You cannot receive certain English except you were born there. Just be, be okay. Be normal. Be secured. Speak well. It's okay, but don't go no gata, wana, comma. No, don't do that. Don't do that. That's a, it's a problem already. Don't, don't go there. It's insecurity. You know, sometimes insecurity can masquerade itself as exposure. People who have traveled more than you are not going and gata. You haven't been to the airport, but by much... Immersion of films, 
You now speak even better than those. That's not personal development. By the way, no man can receive anything except it be given to him from above. So Jesus knew that having to stoop down to serve the disciples will not change whatever God is giving to him. Are you following this? Are you still here? All right. <laughs> I wanted to give an example, but my messages go fast, so I won't give that example. Number two, the scripture says he came from the Father. So Jesus knew who he came from. So John chapter 1 verse 14, uh, John chapter 1 verse 12 says, His own did not receive him, but as many as received him. What happened? He gave the right to become the children of God. Know that you are a child of God. Be confident in that fact. Hey, whether you are married or not, you are a child of God. Whether you are married, you are a child of God. Before your husband came into your life, you are a child of God. As your husband is in your life, you are a child of God. He should stay, but if he leaves your life, you are still a child of God. That should be your identity. Your identity shouldn't be in that you are Mrs. or Mr. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Your identity shouldn't be you are a millionaire. Your identity shouldn't be anything in the natural. You are a child of God. You carry the image of God. The Holy Spirit is vested in you. See, when all else fails in this life, don't forget that you're God's child. Be rooted in that. He knew he came from the Father. He knew he came from the Father. So whether Jesus washed your feet or not, he came from the Father. Saints, listen to this. Don't take your identity from anything. Anything in this world can be ripped off from you. But your identity of who you are in Christ can never be ripped off. You can be a millionaire today and you're not tomorrow. You can, do you understand what I'm saying? Now, how does all of this form our leadership? Sometimes we don't like to leave the positions we are in because our identity is rooted where? In those positions. So we do everything. Sometimes even our pursuit for more money is because we just feel that if we have more money, people will respect us. Am I right? Sometimes it's not just about meeting needs. Some of you have enough to meet your needs. But you know that there is a way you will have money. And of course, society will bow at your faith. And so sometimes even in ministry, people do ministry because of money. Because they feel if we have more money as a church, we can intimidate people. My late mentor, Reverend Tony, Tony Atea, I remember where he was having his ministry, his church. Another church went and offered a higher rent. He was driven out and another church took over. How, how, how do you think they're going to share the testimony when they go to church? And say, Praise the name of the Lord. God is empowering us. We are taking over. Taking over another church property. Yeah. Are you following this? Come on, are you following this? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you getting the lesson tonight? You are a child of God. Let nothing else, listen, let nothing else define you in this life. Not your children, not your husband, not your wife. You know, people say, you know, I'm looking for my better half. I'm looking for my... (laughs) So that I can be complete. Scripture says you are complete in him. You are complete in in Christ. You are complete. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
So your joy should not be outsourced. Your confidence should not be outsourced. You're a child of God. If the pulpit is taken away, I'm a child of God that preaches. I'm a child of God that teaches. I'm a child of God that's a pastor. I'm a child of God that's an engineer. I'm a child of God that is a uh, mother or father or whatever. Doctor, engineer or whatever. Bicycle repair. I'm a child of God that repairs bicycles. So your definition is not, should not start from what you do. It should start from who you are. That you are a child of God. Praise the name of the Lord. Acts 17, 20, 28 says, In Him we live, in Him we move, in Him we have our being. God defines us. God defines us. Listen to me, saints of God. This might not look like a leadership class, but this will tremendously change your life. If your identity is strong, you'll be able to raise people who are greater than you. You will not be intimidated by other people's success. You will not be intimidated, in quote, by how far others have gone. For in Him we live, we move and exist. We live in God, we live in Him. He is our environment, He defines us. Praise the name of the Lord. First John 4.4 4. It says, you are of God, little children. You are of God, little children. I like the way he calls us. We are of God. We came from God. We hail from God. He says, you are God. You are from God, little children. And have overcome them. Because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. The greater one is on the inside of us. Be, be confident in that. The Holy Spirit's ability will put you over. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit's ability will put you over. You know, some of you look at yourself in the mirror and you don't like yourself. Alright? Some of you feel your ears should be, should be standing out more. It's too flat. You know, some of you feel your lips are too big. You should be thin. Some of you feel your lips are too thin. You should be big. You know, some of you look at yourself in the mirror you feel like just pressing your like, straight, 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 straight. <laughs> you know, some of you got wide eyes. Even when you are sleeping, part of your eyes is still open. The, the, the whole, what's this now? Cannot cover everything. You still see white eyes under like somebody who is about to die. Some of you have small eyes. Even if your eyes are wide open, people are still saying, open your eyes. You know, we, we've got all these things. And when you look at yourself in the mirror, just tell yourself, I come from God. You might not look like it, but Christianity is faith. <laughs> Use the faith to believe that you actually came from God. Some people want to be taller. Right? So, they're not very tall and then they go buy high heel shoes and, you know, their nails are practically standing like this. Your feet should be this way. And you should walk this way. But now you're this way. And you're walking this way. Just tell yourself you're from God. You are of God. And whether you are tall or short, all men have fallen short of the glory of God. <laughs> but the greater one is on the inside of you. Don't ever live a day without being conscious that the creator of heaven and earth lives inside of you. That's the greatest identity. So, 
permit my use of language. I don't know. Because some things are now politically incorrect. But you might be very short. And you walk into the midst of giants. And you're called to lead. But you're still confident that the greater one is on the inside of you. That although the container is short, what it carries is big. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You might walk into where it looks like you're the least likely candidate. Do you realize that Moses who led the children of Israel could literally not talk? He, he, he refused that assignment because he could not talk. What did the Lord say? I made the mouth. What he was trying to say is, listen, that your mouth that cannot talk, I was still the one who created it. And you know what? God did not choose the man who could talk for the assignment. He chose the man who could not talk for a talking assignment. And chose the man who could talk to assist the man who could not talk. If you were to choose between Aaron and Moses, who would you choose to lead the children of Israel? Three million people. You're going to be talking all the time. I don't even know if that's why he even broke the Ten Commandments. Like when they say, what, 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 what is wrong with you people? And then broke it. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm just thinking. But you know what? God gave him another one. See, this might not look like a leadership class, but it will change how you lead. You will never walk into a room again feeling inferior. When you walk into a room, you know that you are of God. You know that you are of God. Are you following what I'm saying? You go with that confidence. Not your titles. Not your position. Not your height. Not your family background. Not what you have been through. Even though you've been abused and all kinds of things have gone wrong in your life. Child of God, the greater one is on the inside of you. That's the new identity. That's the leadership identity. Are you following this? Do you realize Jesus had to live all his life having to convince people that the Holy Spirit is his father? You think it was easy to say? So, I mean, Jesus is in the rabbinical class and they are introducing people. Hello, tell us what's your name. My name is Matthew Levi. My name is Bartlome Thomas. What's your name? Jesus. Your father? Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit. Earthly, Joseph. Say, explain further. Hmm? Do you realize that it was so strong that Joseph literally taught to put Mary aside? That means when Mary got pregnant with Jesus, Joseph taught to secretly just say, you know what? It's over between us. God had to intervene. And had to speak to the man personally. See, I'm the owner. And Joseph now say, okay, next time let me know. I'm just saying, but you understand what I'm saying. Do you get that? And all their life they had to live with that. Even though we say Mary was highly favored, do you know what it means for her to carry a pregnancy? And it says, oh, Holy Spirit? Are you following this? And then Herod wanted to kill Jesus? And God told them, run. Go to Egypt, because they want to kill this child. Say, oh, I thought you are Holy Spirit. Protect the child. We <laughs> run. They took off. Where to Egypt? To fulfill prophecy. I just want to tell you that even Jesus did not have it funny. Are you following what I'm saying? His brothers did not believe in him. They say, hey, people that perform miracles don't do it like this. Go to national television and perform. Jesus said, you do understand that? Went to a wedding feast. Wine has finished. 
And Mary just called, called his wife. He said, my son can't. He, can, he has been changing things. So. Listen. <laughs> Do you know what it means for you to go to a wedding and wife finish and your mother comes and meets you and say, wine is finished. It's like, eh, but I'm not. Eh, perform miracle now. Why are you here? He said, don't. Whatever I tell people to do, do it. Do you understand? I mean, Mary placed a demand on his heavenly grace. I, I'm just showing you from the life of Jesus that we are excited about Jesus. He's our Lord and Savior, but he didn't actually find it funny. One time he was teaching. And Mary and his brothers came. And they told the usher, tell him that uh, his mother is here. And Jesus was teaching. I know all those ushers say, uh, honor your father and your mother, so that this will be long. And why Jesus was teaching, say, hey, 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 what's happening? Say, your father and your mother are outside, they're looking for you. And you know what Jesus said? Say, who is my father? Who is my brother? They that hear my words. Imagine his mother heard that. Imagine I'm preaching and my mother is outside, and then my mother sends somebody to come and tell me, see, your mother is looking for you outside. And I say, who is my mother? Who is my father? He that hears my word. Say, okay, don't worry, finish that meeting and come. So it wasn't, it wasn't just an easy ride for Jesus. Are you following this now? What I'm trying to tell you is that Jesus knew he came from the Father. So when all these challenges were around him, what happened? This defined him. If we lead from this per- perception, we will not hold on to earthly positions. You will not walk into the church and say, you know what, I'm the man of God in this house. Before you're a man of God, you're first of all a child of God. So that when that whole church is taken away from you, you're still yourself. When that post, and that's why someday some, some pastors go after position, position, position. It's only here I've seen all kinds of funny things. Professor, doctor, apostle. I mean, come on, what's that? Professor, doctor. Eh? Professor, doctor. Then apostle. Can you just take one and get the job done? But you know, more titles. And go to Jerusalem three times. It's JP Plus. What about those who live in Jerusalem? They put JP Eternal. What am I saying? Throw away all these titles. Throw away all these things around you that makes you feel like, yes, I'm the one. You're a child of God. Let that be what defines you. Not your position. Not who you are. Not, sorry, not what you have. But who you are. Because as a son of God, the greater one lives on the inside of you. Jesus died to make you his son. That's the greatest offer God can give you. That's why you realize that even some of the people who changed the world in the Old Testament, they didn't carry special titles. Right? Esther, Mordecai, Daniel, Joseph. Come on, what, what title did Joseph carry when he changed the whole economy of Egypt? Nothing. Just a slave boy but who was conscious of the fact that he carried God. When he faced the temptation of sinning, he says, I cannot do this against God. He was conscious of God, and a whole nation was placed in his hands without a title. Without a title. Are you still here? Are you learning something? Say amen if you are. What was the third thing Jesus lived with? That he was going back to the Father. Let's be conscious that we will give account for our lives. Let's be conscious. 
Let's be conscious that it's not just our life. And so even the way we treat people, we will give account of how we treat other, other children that God has. We will give account of our time. You see, I think every day we consciously live, we, we are almost living without the consciousness that we will give an account of our lives. And so we use our time for whatever we want to use our time for. We are so conscious of the earth realm that we are not so conscious of eternal life. I like what 1 Timothy 6-7 says. Can we read it? What's the foundation? This is what you should base all your leadership principles on. 1 Timothy 6-7. Are you there? For we brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. Hey, look at this verse. When last did you think of this verse? Hello? Are you here? When last did you think of this verse? You know, one of the things I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with myself about right now, I'm really meditating, I'm talking about, it's like I don't need more things to be happy. I'm really working on myself on that. Because I just realized that, you know, how do I put it in a way that you understand? If you walk into your house right now, there are clothes you haven't used for one year. Am I seeing clearly? Am I right? And I tell you, you might not wear those clothes again. But you know what you're thinking of right now as you are seated here? I can prophesy over your life. You're thinking of making new clothes. It's just acquisition. It's just having more. A, a lot of us seated here today are comfortable. I know somebody say, hey, I've saved that style, pastor. <laughs> and you, you, you walk into your wardrobe and you, you, for 30 minutes you struggle with what to wear. And you know the reason you struggle with what to wear? You have too much. Take this one. You know, sometimes when you leave your wardrobe on Sunday and come to church, when you're going back, you are tired. You're not tired because the message was strong. You have left... Clothes on the bed, shoes, you know, hunger. The place is like, if you enter, you're almost like Jesus. Did they come to steal? Do you not remember that? Oh, it was me. I was picking and picking. You have enough. The scripture says if you have raiment and food, be content. I'm dealing with myself where ownership is concerned. And you know the interesting thing? Saints of God, if you close your eyes tonight and you died, every single thing you have, not one thing will be taken. In fact, other people will choose what you wear when you die. And people can be funny. They'll just say, wear it. In, just, just look for one certain material. 250. Now, white stockings. Everything you wear, they wear white stockings. Then buy tissue, not tissue, cotton wool. One round fifteen and chemical. So everything, one five. Because I mean, you go meet the person who oh, I lost my father. Want to buy satin? Ah, so it's okay. So just take this one. They wanted to use this one to sew for somebody before, but they don't want it. So you realize that what they even used to sew for you where you were going was so, what somebody rejected. And that's it. It's gone. The iPad, the cars. Do you understand all the perfume? They will not even spray you all the exotic perfume you bought when you died. They're going to get one chemical from, 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 from the mortuary that you will not smell. You're, don't smell. Don't smell. They 
not going to buy all this. You know, I spray this perfume. It stays in my clothes for six years. It's beautiful. None of those things are wrong. But if those things are defining why we want more power, if those things are defining why we want more money, we will not be able to serve people. We will see people as tools to get more money so we can have more things. As opposed to using things to serve people, we will use people to get things. That's why today people can be in a relationship when they know that they don't love the person, but they are using the person to meet their needs, and they are wicked enough to stay there. See, we are just, we are just enjoying his money. See, but it's I declare when I want to choose. That's why I always advise my men, if you come to the men forum, hold your investment until you are sure. All these, uh, if I do this one, they will love me. Forget it. Forget it. And, and I must tell you this. Love essentially is not about what the person has. Love is more about the person. Because you know what I tell people? What about if the person has today and tomorrow he doesn't have? And I know we want the shape. We want the figure eight. We want, it's all good. I'm not saying, you know, sometimes I teach and people say, well, I don't, I'm not, you know, I'm not romantic. I'm not, that's your problem. Right? You marry this guy. He's got biceps and triceps. Huge guy. Walks like a giant. Well-dressed. I mean, I mean, and the man is just going and, I mean, not, it, it won't happen to you. But the guy is just going and falls from the Okada and then his face is crushed and... And then for the rest of your life, the man has marks. Eh? <laughs> so what happens? I'm asking. Oh, you marry your... You say, this is my lady, slim. This is my lady. And, 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 and listen to me. Listen to me. And that is the treasure... On marriages today, the pressure on marriages today is this lack of contentment. You married a woman, slim, at the age of 22. This woman has given birth to three children, four children, housework, everything. You are now comparing the woman with a 22-year-old staff in your office. If you are not wicked, what defines wickedness? And so you see married women, they will, you know, wear... I mean, and people can't breathe on Sunday. I mean, you think people are not dancing. They can't dance. They don't know what they are wearing. They can't bend. I mean, from here to here is tight. And you see, they can only lift up holy hands. And only to an extent. So you say, lift your hands and praise the Lord. Say, we can't go more than this man of God. We love God with our heart, but our hands can't excel. You see, guys, it's good. Keep your shape and everything. But you see, ultimately... Ultimately, if we're not careful, we will keep going after these things. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm not saying leave your body. Do you get what I'm trying to say? But you see what? That's your figure. You are not taking it out of this world. Go home today. Look at everything you have. Right? In your bank account. Look at everything you have. All your shoes. All your clothes. And tell yourself, you know what? Every single thing that I have today, if I close my eyes, I won't take anything. It should define your pursuit of life. So when next you see people, 
you will not want to use people to acquire more things. You will rather want to do what? To serve. Praise the name of the Lord. Are you still here? First Peter 5, 3-4. We're talking about pastors. <laughs> First Peter chapter 5, 3-4. It says, not yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge. Don't lord it over them. It says, don't even do this ministry work for money. Verse 2 says, not for gain, but with eagerness. Not yet as lording it over those allowed to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive your unfading crown in glory. It says, work for a higher reward. Work for something beyond this temporary realm. I mean, my wife says this all the time when she preaches, talking about marriage. Sometimes it rubs some people off on setting side, but I mean, let's be honest. People complain about the economic situation of the time, but one of the things that I have succeeded in doing us is pulling families apart. It's pulling families apart. And, 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 and that doesn't help. It puts strain on the family structure. God will bless us, but not at the expense of our soul. You know what so that rich, the rich young man? The man kept all the commandments and says, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He says, sell all you have and come follow me. He rejected the opportunity to be a disciple of Jesus. He went back away sorrowful. The scripture says, for he had many possessions. The guy couldn't. He couldn't obey Jesus. And I say this to you, I mean as your pastor, it's something I'm working on in my life. Every, how much more stuff do you need? How much more shoes do you need? How much more cars do you really need? Let's be honest. Huh? And that's why, you know, sometimes if you don't deal with this, even your own money, you will buy food and, buy, and eat your, you're almost eating yourself to death. It's my money, let me enjoy it. What is it? And you eat more than the quantity of whatever you have to eat because you feel that you've worked hard. Uh, a, a woman that interests me a lot is Mother Teresa. And, and I'm not saying everybody should be like her. But when Mother Teresa died, she had probably just maybe five whites. She wore this Roman Catholic nun and everything. But this was a woman who was riding the bus in Calcutta, India and drove past a leper colony and saw lepers, and she just said to herself, my greatest desire in life is that these lepers will die with a smile on their face. And that was how she started her missionary movement that has about 250,000 missionaries today. Who do they serve? They serve lepers. They serve the vulnerable. She's won the Nobel Peace Prize. She's dined with presidents. Are you following this? Just by deciding to serve. I'm not saying everybody should be like her. But we don't know what he owns, what she owns. It's not so much in her material acquisition, but her service. What about if you redefined your life and made purpose stronger than possession? Would anything change? How many times do we change our phones to the new brand and put ourselves under pressure because we want to appear important? And I tell you, 
He said, Pastor, how does this connect leadership? If you settle all these things as your belief and your worldview to life, it will change the way you serve people. You will no longer look at another human being as a way to get to the top. But rather, when you see people, you will look for ways to serve them so that their greatest potential will come out. So we, we, Jesus says he was going back to the Father. So three things define the leadership of Jesus. He knew that God had given him all things. John the Baptist knew no man can receive anything except it be given to him from above. And so when the ministry of Jesus was growing above his own ministry, he was fine with it. Number two, Jesus knew that he came from the Father. We are sons of God. That's our greatest identity. Number three, Jesus knew he was going to the Father. We would return to God and give an account for ourselves. It defines everything about our life. It defines everything about our life. It defines everything about our life. And, and, and so, uh, that consciousness, you're not grasping for natural positions. You're not fighting for things. Praise God. You know, we're like kids. You know, children, if you have two children that are not too grown and you buy toys for one, right? You now buy uh, another toy. What will happen? To discard the old toy. Right? And want to do what? Want to go for the new toy. Then when you take that old toy that you want to give it to somebody, then they start crying. They don't like it, but they don't want to let it go. And we've got possessions like that. I want to challenge you after hearing this message. Just, just go give some stuff away. Right? Just go. I know. I know there are things in your house that you might likely not use again. Just leave it. Till one day, you'll find use for it. And the challenge is that sometimes you feel that one day you find use for it, and so when that day comes, probably you will not have, you don't want to spend money. Who tells you that when the day comes for you to find something, you will not find something else? You will not be able to afford it. See four statements Jesus made and how Jesus served people. Interestingly, Jesus made four statements, and, and, and we'll drop up there. But I've said this before. Deal with these three monsters in leadership. Pride, fear, and insecurity. Deal with pride. Deal with pride. Number two, deal with fear. All kinds of fear. Number three, deal with insecurity. Don't be insecure. I posted something on social media for those who follow me. And I said, I think one of my greatest strengths in my life as an individual, is the fact that I have friends who are way better than me. I have friends who are more brilliant and everything. I have friends who dress better than me. I know sometimes when I want to dress, I just send them the picture. Will this thing match? They say, oh, you do match. It will not match. And then, I dress. You see, the truth of the matter is that if I already have a friend who knows how to dress better than me, it is wisdom for me not to stress myself anymore. I'll use their brain to get myself dressed. I mean, it's not... I have friends who, do you understand what I'm saying? It's, it's not about you have to be good at everything. You've got to be good at what you need to be good at. Deal with insecurity. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And, and, and let me tell you this. Everywhere you go, there will be people better than you. Praise God. You will find ladies who are more beautiful than you know there are some ladies when you see them it's like <laughs> i wanted to use the term but it's not right but you know it's like they came from the spirit world you understand what i wanted to say huh? in fact they are so beautiful some pastors say they need deliverance the beauty is beyond comprehension sister people will be more beautiful than you are you following 
Young man, people will be more handsome than you. Are you following this? Get used to it. Know where you are in the category of handsome people and just know this is my number. Among handsome people, I'm number 11. And fall in love with being number 11. Why do you think people get into all of these things of trying to do things to their body, get all kinds of crazy stuff just to fit in? Sometimes, why do you even think people go get tattoos? Napoleon Hill said one time he was at a barber shop and a young man came in and there was a tattoo on his body, born to fail. And, and the barber said, why would you write that on your body? And the man said, Napoleon Hill told him, that was already written in his heart before it came out on his body. Why do you think people get all of this, some of these things? It's not about... Some people, it's not really like they like it. It's just a raining fashion thing and they don't want to miss out. Are you following this? You have to be content in yourself. Even in Christianity, we've come to this place where we're almost antagonizing one another. So a church does all night. You don't want your people to go to that church all night. You now organize all night and you don't have grace for all night. Just do what you need to do and the people who need to listen to you will listen to you and whoever doesn't want to listen to you can go somewhere else. And we don't get into unnecessary competition. And I'm teaching you this. Get your life out of the competition mode. You're not in competition with anybody. You're not fighting positions with anybody. Listen, what you can do, nobody else can do. And be confident in that. What are the four statements that Jesus made that tremendously will change our leadership perspective? Number one, John 14, 12. Jesus looked at the disciples and told them something very powerful. John 14, 12. He says, greater works shall you do. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than this he will do because I go to the Father. How come a leader looks at his followers and says, you'll do greater than me? Jesus was comfortable that the disciples would do what? Do greater works. Think about it. Let's be honest as we're seated here, right? Do you really want somebody else to be richer than you? Hey, come on. Do do small check. Eh? You think you really want somebody to do better works than you? No. And that is why, listen carefully, sometimes we fight the people who God has brought to us to raise, to do greater works, because we don't want them to surpass us. So as a pastor, there might be, some of you seated here now, who are called by God to teach far better than me. And I keep teaching you, and it's okay because you're learning from me. I keep teaching you. And then I give you an opportunity to teach, and I see you teach something, and I'm like, wow. If this guy continues like this, he will take over this church. You know what's going to happen? You know what's going to happen? Instead of me to empower that gift, I will start doing what? Come on. Start fighting that gift. And that becomes a problem. Kingdom leadership needs to be comfortable that those that are under you today are free to be better than you. To be richer than you. To be more blessed than you. To be more known than you. Get comfortable with it. So that when the seed of greatness is rising in people, you don't put it down. 
Like Saul did to David. If Saul understood this leadership, David would have, he would have forever. He would not have died when he died. Jonathan would not have died when Jonathan died. Mephibosheth's legs wouldn't, his grandkid leg, Mephibosheth wouldn't have been broken. He would have stayed. Right? And David would have been loyal to him. But he wanted to kill David. And why did he want to kill David? Women. Because of spirit and truth. Finished battle, they started singing. David killed 10,000. Saul killed 1,000. <laughs> Church. <laughs> David killed 10,000. <laughs> they didn't count. They were not there. And David Saul said, what song am I hearing? said, David, those three monsters rose up. Pride. How can David kill 10,000? And I'm a warrior. And I've killed only one. Fear. David will take my throne. Insecurity. I've got to kill this boy. He made him one of the most wicked king that ever lived. Even though he got the throne when he was looking for donkeys. He forgot that no man can receive anything except it be given to him from above. He forgot who made him king. He forgot he was going back to king. And a beautiful king that was picked by God and favored by God and anointed by prophet Samuel ended up his life going to seek at the witch of Endor to find his future. This was a man who served as God's king. People end up as monsters and wicked and terrible when they forget where they come from. When they forget that God put them where they are. When you begin to fight others that God has brought around you, instead of allowing their greatness to flourish, you will do things you thought in your life you'll never do. And that's where you see where godly people spread rumors. Where godly people start fighting each other. And sometimes you ask, are we even Christians? When you hear what pastors do to other pastors just because they don't want them to preach. I went to preach in a nation in, in Africa. Finished preaching. They had invited the spiritual father of this person and invited him to teach on the Holy Spirit and all of that. And I went to the nation, preached, thought, Holy Spirit, there was manifestation of the gift when he thought there were no manifestations. And I came back home. The next day they invited me. And then the, 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 the pastor opened up to me and said, when you left, my spiritual father says, I should not invite you again to come and preach. And I'm like, why? There was no reason. Just felt, oh, this young guy that they brought here is taking my spot. Put many years down the line, we're hosting camp meetings in Kenya now, training pastors in Kenya, in that same nation, because he doesn't own the nation. The nation belongs to God. And we will do more things in the nation. Because he's not, he's, not, he's not even the president. So imagine if he was the president. Come on, imagine if that man of God was the president. What will he do? Don't give him visas. So you see where wickedness comes from? It comes from pride, fear, and insecurity. And I'll tell you, if you don't think like Jesus, that people around you today can do greater work, you will fight people that are brought for you to mentor, to teach, to lead, to become greater. Number two. There might be staff in your office right now that you need to allow to flourish. They will help you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There might be young people around you now you need to mentor. They will help you. Learn that people around you can do greater works. Number two statement of Jesus. John 16, 7. That shapes 
my leadership philosophy. Are you learning something tonight? Are you sure? John chapter 4, verse 16, John chapter 16, verse 7. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. Do you know the interesting thing? If Jesus did not go away, we will not have the Holy Spirit to do what we're doing. Imagine if you were Jesus. You had all the powers in the world. If you go away, those powers will come to those you are leading. If you stay, you will be the only one who had all powers. The Spirit of God says, Jesus had the Spirit without measure. Hey, come on, let's be honest. Come on, child of God. Do you think you want to go away? Hello? Do you think you want to go away? Go where? Have you, have you seen? <laughs> I remember one time. Sad story. I was with a young minister friend of mine. I was mentoring a young pastor. He, he had a healing grace. And then the pastor went to do a meeting. The, young, the younger guy went to conduct his own meeting. And he didn't see so much miracles. So I was this my young friend way back. And he said, that guy is very proud. I'm training him. He went to go and be conducting his meeting. He didn't know that I didn't teach him all the secrets of the healing ministry. He told me. I said, oh. I said, so there are secrets. They know there's their secrets to the healing ministry. I said, okay. But I'm wondering. So if you knew what somebody can do so that everybody would get healed... Just because you want them to be obedient to you, you will keep some secret for them so that some people will be sick and they will not see results? Do you do things that are to people's advantage? It's, it's to your advantage. Just how Jesus thought. I'm doing this for your good. If I go away, the Holy Ghost will come and you will do what I'm doing. Can you say, listen, I'll do this for you because it's for your advantage? Can you think of that? It's interesting how Jesus thought. I'm doing this for you. Or you want all the glory to come to you. I've always said it. My heart desire in this church is that the day and the time will come when myself and pastor can just sit or travel and have people teach exactly like we teach, teach more than we teach. Church is full. Whether we're here or not, the church is still growing. It excites me. That's the future I see. Not just the whole world gathering around to hear one person. It's not a superstar kingdom. It's a kingdom of stars. Are you following this? That's the statement of Jesus. John chapter 4, I talked about it before. In tiredness and hunger, Jesus ministered to the vulnerable. John chapter 4, the Samaritan woman. Jesus was tired and he was hungry. He ministered to the vulnerable. He ministered to a woman whose society will not associate with. It's a kingdom leadership is about serving the vulnerable. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, the truth of the matter is that Jesus in our day would rather minister to the utopian eunuch than minister to the Samaritan woman. Am I right? Today we, we, we pride in the fact that we minister to politicians than we go to villages to minister. You know, sometimes when you're doing youth ministry, they ask you, what is there? Youth can't give anything. Face people that can give something. Because it's, it's about not reaching the vulnerable. Who did Jesus say when the, 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 the uh, what are they called now? All the elites did not come for the party. Jesus says, go to the streets. Go for the blind. Go for the lame. Bring them to my feast. Are we comfortable ministering to the vulnerable? Jesus taught minister to the vulnerable. To those society will ostracize, he ministered. Are you comfortable ministering to people who have no means? Are you comfortable going to preach? Where the honorarium will not come. 
Are you comfortable going to preach in small churches? Is it about serving or about serving yourself? The last statement. John chapter 9 verse 1. Not John. Luke 9 1. Luke chapter 9 verse 1. We're looking at the foundation of kingdom leadership. Luke 9 1. And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all the demons and to heal diseases. While Jesus was still alive, he empowered his disciples to heal diseases like he did. That's how Jesus thought. Do we give our power away? Do we give part of the power we have to those around us so they can flourish? And I want to urge you, go back and listen to this series again. Especially to this message. Listen to it again. Because it's a very deep foundational belief system of leadership that would help us to serve. Do we give some of our power away? Or we want to hold on to everything we have? What about if we empowered more people? What about if we helped more people access power so they can do the things we're doing? What about if we come into this life and think, you know what? It's no longer about me. It's about those God has brought to me. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. As we look into the perfect law of liberty and we look into this concept of kingdom leadership, I pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you will help us, that we will embrace this. And Lord, you will renew our minds. We would live and reflect the kingdom of God. We would deal with fears in our hearts, deal with insecurity in our hearts, deal with pride in our hearts. That by the Holy Spirit of God, we will know that we cannot receive anything except to be given to us from above. And that Father God, we will know that we came from you and we will give account of our lives. Help us to be accountable. Help us, Father God, to be open to those that you brought to help us, to guide us, to lead us. Help us, Father God, to be able to minister to the vulnerable. Those who might not be able to repay us. Those who might not be able to, you know, respond to us the way we think they should respond. Father, deal with our hearts that we will perfectly reflect the kingdom. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.mg. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.